Welcome back. This is Drinks with Friends. I am your host, Madison Ray. Hey, co-host that guy, Ryan. What's happening, everybody? Glad you're back with us again. Um, we had a really great episode last week. Um, yeah, shout out to And also, like, of course, you know, you can check out all the archives um, on whatever platform you're using. All of the episodes are, are available for your listening pleasure. You can go all the way back to episode when we talked about Black Panther mm-hmm. and all of the adventures since. Um, Treat yourself. You, you damn right, treat yourself. And, uh, of course, this is all possible thanks to Andrew Apparel, Power Up, and Susie Sweet Treats, Secret Ingredients Love, Not Cocaine. cocaine. And, uh, you know what? This week, I want to talk about Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. Oh, yeah, my best friend that I've never met. Yes! yes. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Donald Glover, this week, um, did... Double duty on Saturday Night Live yeah. as the host and the musical guest as well. Yeah, I haven't um, seen the episode yet. Which is a pretty rare club. There are very few that get to uh, double down in the same episode. Justin Timberlake is one of those people. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of others that I, I, I remember seeing this as, as kid, as a kid, but I can't yeah. think of who they are at the moment. But uh, so this is a pretty pretty rare um, accomplishment. But I think it also speaks to just the brilliance of, of who Donald Glover is and, and the work that he's put in. And yeah, this guy has been doing work for years. And it's funny because he seems, he really does seem like an overnight sensation. Uh, and this is where also he was everywhere. But when you think about it, like, like he has been putting in work for over a decade. Yeah. There is no such thing as an overnight success. Right. You know, like, um, I remember when, like, I first caught wind of him as a musician uh, when, um, Summer Camp came out. Yeah, Camp. Camp, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was um, not impressed with that album overall. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like, but... it wasn't great by any means, but it was like, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. And uh, he had that single. Um, yeah, and I was like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. What is, you know, like, actually, as, as a, you know, music person, there was naturally, like, just kind of being curious about what was out there, but then also there are people that were giving me these comparisons, like, oh yeah, like this guy, Charles Gambino, like, he seems like totally your kind of thing. Yeah. Like, something that you would do. And I was like, something I would do? I need to know more about this man. Yeah. And I, I heard the same thing, where it's like, oh, right, you like, I was around a bunch of white people at the time. And they were like, right, you like this rapper, like, his style and the humor in his raps is similar to just the shit that you say on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, whatever, I'll listen to him. And so, like, I ended up listening to that album, and overall, being a hip-hop fan, I wasn't super impressed with, like, the, the, the finished product. Yeah. But, like, lyrically, and some of his punchlines and shit like that definitely had me intrigued and made me want to find out more about who it was that was writing this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to find out that he was a writer for NBC, and he was on Larry Rock, and he had a comedy special, and also on community, right? You know, yeah. like, like, yeah. Once I put together that Childish Gambino is Donald Glover, yeah. It was like this, like, I don't know. First off, there's like a light bulb, but there's also like, so is this supposed to be like? Obviously, the name Camp, like, is uh, that kind of double entendre of talking about being at summer camp, which is why I made that kind of foible. But also like the the the, the notion of camp as art, yeah. uh, and this kind of self-referential. Uh, parody of of what it means to be a rapper or in the hip hop world, especially as someone who is like 
part of like the black nerd culture. Yeah. Someone who is kind of the other in that black boy joint movement that's been like such a big thing lately, but not at the time that he was kind of coming out. True. And then also with Kip, when you're going back to where that the whole original thing uh, and his original silence, after I found out more about him, <laughs> Good to see and uh, went back and listened to it more, he has that outro yeah. uh, where he's like telling a story about the bus and like, with a girl and uh, you know, she like basically breaks his heart and all this yeah. stuff. Like, and like understanding him as in a, a writer, I felt like that ended up being the best track on the album and it wasn't even like a song. Right. Like, and the beat of it, he told us great stories. He had, you know, solid foundational stories. And it, 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 it kind of to show, like, his, his, like, theater and artistry background in this, which then I was, like, I was more interested in, like, I needed to find out more, and I needed to hear more of this, too. So I started, like, consuming all this other stuff. I ended up getting into the community and things mm-hmm. like that, which overall was not right sure. <laughs> right, right, right. The people who, like, love community... I am not one of those people. Yeah, like, people listen to like, I see and go, ha, ha, ha. Right. And it literally stopped going. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and once he left the show, I stopped watching the show. And it's not that the show just went, like, drastically downhill. It's just that it wasn't good enough for me to keep watching without this artist who I was interested in. Sure, sure. I'm tired of the but you're mediocre, bro. You lost me. Yeah, you lost me. Um, yeah, I, I'll say, like, I really enjoyed camp, like, the more I would dig into it, yeah. you know, like, you're right, with the sense of, like, those punchlines and the setup, like, it, 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 being written by a writer, mm-hmm. and especially a comedy writer, like, there is that nice creative space of, like, how you set up a joke and create a punchline and create that kind of dynamic, you know, especially as a rapper, or the notion of even getting your name off of, um, Internet generator, right? You know, like, yeah, like even just that is hilarious. Wu-Tang generated name on the show, guys. Yeah, like that's just just that kind of glimpse. Of, but also, then being so self-aware to say, I know I'm not saying anything. I know I'm not creating anything of quality right now. It's just this notion of making something to make something. Right. Uh, I don't know. I guess. In the spirit of that kind of just self-indulgence, I really enjoyed it. Almost like it's just that kind of musical snap. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, shout out to uh, Max, Maximum Ames artist H.D. Harmson. Totally just walked by. Uh, of course, as always, with drinks with friends, anything is possible. <laughs> Cameos galore. Um, anyway, uh, do, you, do you remember the, the mixtape? Uh, royalty? Yeah. I still listen to Royalty. What are your thoughts on that? I thought Royalty was fucking amazing. Because? Um, I feel like he actually found his stride as a rapper. Yeah. And that, uh, he still had, he still had amazing lines, punch, punch lines, a, a nice flow. He really found his, his, his step and his flow. Uh, the production level on that mixtape was stellar. And then he had ridiculous guest artists on it. Like, he had a song with, like, sample Britney Spears' Toxic with Danny yeah. Brown. Just yeah. fucking nuts. Yep. And then the outro with Tina Fey. Yo! Yo, that was the game changer to me. Yeah, like, and it was after this solid-ass tape. And then to end it with her and how she ended it, it was, it was, it was amazing. But yeah, I, uh, I still think, like, out of my top ten 
Gambino songs. I think two of them come from Rose. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the the lack of pressure of having to make an album. Yeah. Because, like, the notion of the mixtape to me, and, and, like, if you need to push back, go ahead and push back all the way. Yeah. Um, the notion of the mixtape to me is, like, it's like that space to just kind of, like, discover and figure out and experiment without the, the need to, like, create a cohesive body of work and just go, here's just a bunch of shit that I just did. Um, Used to be. You know, and so I think that, I feel like sometimes it's kind of freeing because there isn't the pressure of, like, oh, I need to create X amount of songs, or I have this executive that's saying, I need to do this or that. And you can say, here's just a bunch of stuff that I did while, you know, that, that I was working through. And so each song then kind of becomes its own snapshot that may or may not be connected to the other pieces in the body of work. Um, for the prevalence of people moving away from labels and putting shit out just, like, strictly on the internet, I'd agree with that. Um, I no longer think that's the case. But just in the last three or four years, I feel like that's changed. Mm-hmm. But when from when that album came or tape, whatever, came out, absolutely. Yeah. It, was just, it was a solid body of work without being an actual body of work. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think royalty, royalty was dope. He really found his stride. Uh, and technically, and I mean this like the, this, the, the technical aptitude, the change between him and royalty was nuts. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he got like Vince Hustle and Danny Brown and like, all these artists to be the guest spots. He had a song there with Schoolboy Q before Schoolboy Q was like. Hey. And and then, is it like Beck on there too? Yeah. He has yeah. A song there with Beck. Um, so it's nuts to think that he was able to pull some of these names and establish talents mm-hmm. to be on this tape just off the power of. Well, I think I want to speak to like the ambition, and I know you know, like I'll say it before you say it, just so it doesn't seem so one-sided. It feels like some Kanye West in the sense of like having the audacity to get outside of a particular particular box and think about creatively what I'm trying to do, and and finding those collaborations or partnerships. It's just like it's just like when. Uh, yay dropped stronger. You're like, yo, a Daft Punk sample. At the time, that was so bananas because right. it was so not hip hop. Like, that was not a hard move to make. Right. You know, in the sense of like having street cred and that kind of stuff. Like, it was such a genre straddling thing. It's like, so like it pulled in a new audience and new ears, and then it made like, I think anyone who was going to give him a fair shot to really sort of listen and go, oh, this dude's doing some stuff that's definitely outside of that lane. Yeah. And I feel like this is where kind of Gambino makes that same step to go. I am, for all intents and purposes, really an artist that happens to use hip-hop and music as my playground. Yeah. Um, like, to use people like Tina Fey and Beck and, and stuff that's like distinctly not hip-hop to still, like, exist in that arena. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, like, essentially to also to come out with, like, not having really, I think, not really having a cosign. Because, you know, like, so much of the hip-hop culture is built off of, like, who gave you the pass? Right. Who let you in this club? Right. Right? Yeah. Oh, it was a question. Who are you here with? Right. Yeah, somebody got a pass for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Gambino really never had that. Like, he was making some moves, but, like, never really someone going, like, yo, this is the next guy. This is my dude. Check him out. Yeah. I feel like he just 
stepped into the arena and said, like, let's fuck shit up. True. Uh, I mean, really, I think at that point, too, he had kind of a cult following. Yeah. you had the people who were friends in the community and all this yeah. other. Um, and they're like, I know even me, I introduced a lot of people to Gambino you know, off of the royalty tape or after the royalty tape. Like, yeah. oh, you know who Donald Lover is, he did this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, you should listen to this. Right. Because I, I feel like at that point, more people knew him as, as just Don Glover, the comedian and actor, more so, you know, like yeah. if you talk about like pop cultural weight, his presence on, on NBC, I think, carried a little more weight than yeah. being Childish Gambino. I, I, I did the same thing, like, like Don Glover. Oh, that's, he raps? Yeah. Yeah. Why does he rap if he does it well? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, it's not like an NBA player rapping. <laughs> so yeah, didn't he have Blake Griffin on royalty? He, was, he did the intro. Yes. Royalty. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes like that weird Gambino, like internet skit voice that goes along with it, and, and you're like, okay. And it was like a six second song. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the beat comes in for whatever that song is. You're like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> and it goes from there, and it's yeah, it was yeah, so. Yeah, royalty was was a good thing. I actually listened to royalty like two weeks ago. Yeah, like off the stream, I was like, hmm. yeah, I think I, I switched back off of uh, royalty today. Nice, you know, nice. like it's it's just that good. Sorry, it's not on Spotify, or there would be one or two tracks on the playlist is coming. Week. Sorry, we'll work it. So around this time, I think you also what this is the time he starts the Donald for Spider Man campaign. Yeah, um, well, he didn't start it, but he he ended up jumping onto it like somebody was mad about uh, it was sort of like somebody was playing somebody and then, it was like, and then someone on Twitter was like uh, how could you do that you might as well have Donald Glover play Spider-Man and then Donald Glover was like yo I would love to play Spider-Man <laughs> dream come true right let's put that out there and becoming this whole I think it was when people were talking about Idris Elba being the next Bond oh and then people were like yo you can't have a black Bond you might as well have Donald Glover be Spider-Man that's actually a great idea. I got to share that. Eat yourself that. <laughs> it's funny how, like, I love how Twitter turns casual racism around into, like, the best shit ever. Like, yo, this current hashtag, uh, if slavery was a choice, yeah. yo, that shit is hilarious. It is I mean, these memes are savage. Yeah. Like, I literally spent an entire night just, like, getting my life. See, I haven't, gone, I haven't gone that deep yet because I still have feelings about the other part of it. Listen, fuck your feelings, put them aside. Put them in a box. Put them in a box. Yeah. Get these memes yeah. and have a good laugh. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll turn, get there. Turn, in time. turn this pain into lemonade, my friend. In my own time. <laughs> I'll get there. So, that all being said, that all being said, um, like... I don't know. This is. I think. I think it's like. This is also what starts kind of building his like again his social power um, as, a, as a as a pop cultural figure. Yeah. The notion of like could this man become the Black Spider Man to the point that people are actually taking it legitimately seriously as, as like if there's another Spider Man movie, Donald Glover has to be in the mix. Yeah. And to kind of fuck with the timeline just a little bit, like he was in Homecoming. Right. Like. Yo, he got the Disney stamp of approval, and while he was not Spider-Man, he was Spider-Man adjacent. Not only, not only was he Spider-Man adjacent, and I don't know if you non-comic book nerds know this, but the character that he played in Spider-Man uh, is based on the comic character of the Prowler, uh, who happens to be Miles Morales' uncle. If you don't know who Miles Morales is, 
It's like, right. yeah. like the actual comic book Afro-Latino style. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, like, and it was his uncle in the comics that convinced Miles Morales to go out and do some shit. Yeah. So, so the thing is, I mean, what we're saying, I guess, I guess the point, I guess I'm trying to make here is like, he carries enough weight that a, a company as big as Disney and Marvel, like, pulled him into the fold and and put it, and put him in basically like has put him into immortality as a as a character in the ever expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, that's huge. I don't care what what, what you say, what plans might be. That is huge. Well, and, and, and well before this is when he started to like because after royalty was when he started to get movie roles and shit. Like, yeah, because he was in what The Martian mm-hmm. with Matt Damon. Yep. It ended up being a great movie, but part of the only reason I wanted to see that was because I was like, yo, I gotta support my guy, Don Glover. <laughs> it ended up being a good-ass movie, read the book, so from the one out afterwards, and that was all good. Um, but it's just, it's, that was a turning point for him, uh, because then you also you have all these people are like, who's Don Glover, why should he be Spider-Man? Yeah. And then they're looking into all this other shit that he's done. And he just kind of used that to catapult himself into being a household name. But then he drops this album because the internet. Yeah. I still don't know what it means. Like, I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah. Like, to the point, like, I actually went out and bought a physical copy of this album. But did you do the whole experience with the there's a, a script of it, right? Yeah, the, the album is a soundtrack. The album is a soundtrack. I tried to find the script. I tried to find the script. I could not find it. For the longest time, it was just at, it was because the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it based off of his Twitter. And so you can go, you can read the script uh, the, and while the album plays in the background. And interspersed without the script, he has like clips where he actually wouldn't film like this whole thing. It's about this story about this kid who uh, basically his parents have a lot of money but they're never around. Uh, so he has these friends that are reaching out to him and like these crazy like drug out of adventures that they go on and like people be at his house randomly but like not really being friends of his just using him for his resources. Right. Uh, and that's still currently my favorite body of work it is. Well, I, I think it's actually really fascinating. Um, it's like the kind of uh, modern uh, you know, I'm say like concept musical, yeah. but in the terms of like not only from from the black perspective, but as a as a like a a hip hop musical film in a genre that is for all intents and purposes dead yeah. in American cinema. So I think this project like really um, illustrates his ambition. And also his creativity. Um, really like utilizing all of his talents and skills and interests uh, to make this kind of super project. Um, but what, what was your experience with, with Because the Internet? Um, first of all, I thought the, the, the concept itself was dope. Like the fact that he did, he wrote an entire script to it, it was a soundtrack, there were like, it was a short film. Um, and I thought content of it was really interesting, especially when paired with the script in the film, uh, because it was so anti-hidden, in the sense that it's not a song about 
some of the action heroes, his actual life being started from the bottom and working their way up. And so, because, I mean, he's, if you, if you know his history, he talks about this in his album and shit like that. Like, Donald Glover's one of like seven, eight kids his parents fostered, so he didn't grow up with a lot of money. He ended up going to school. And now he's like one of the biggest artists on the planet across multiple genres and disciplines. Um, and this project, that's not at all the story. It's like the, the, the flip side of that, where he's an ultra privileged kid who is just kind of left to his own devices because he has money and maze and dealing and with not the idea of the kids who grew up the other way where you got your, your, your homies that have been with you forever and gone through all this growth with you, but instead being this loner who has people who are around you for no other reason than for what you can give them or what you can do for them. Right. And so that being the subject matter in a hip-hop album in itself was, was completely unseen before. Yeah. You know? And so... Well, it's, it's, I think it's like, and, and to some, uh, to some extent, I think what's also what the work of Hamilton does is it really asserts the, um, creative strength of the hip hop genre, not just as this kind of semi-monolithic reflection of urban culture, but also then what you can do outside of the kind of prescribed thing of what hip-hop is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, well, and even then, but as far as what hip-hop is supposed to be, I think that both Donald Lover, this album, and the with Hamilton kind of harks back to what hip-hop is actually supposed to be, yeah. which is a storytelling job. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what it started off as. Like, yeah. You got people who are telling stories about their, their neighborhood, the party they're at, the girl they talk to, right. whatever the case may be, yeah. over a beat. And then, like, you get transported in that world. So, like, right. your favorite rappers, history's favorite rappers, have always been phenomenal storytellers. Yeah. Biggie, for example. Like, Biggie is one of the greatest, widely known rappers off of one album. Right. Two, because that one was pretty much done, but he died before it actually got released. But basically, off of, so one and a half, let's say one and a half albums. Yeah. You got one of the most prolific rappers of all time. And it's based on the fact that he was a phenomenal storyteller. Right. Um, and I think also you could say that even the success, uh, aside from the shock value uh, of, of, of kind of the, the gangster rap uh, movement of the, of the, the stories of the yeah. it's, 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 it's storytelling. It comes back to being able to vividly and effectively tell stories. And so the notion of being able to tell a wide array of stories now starts to open up of like, it can be more than just the stories that you think you're supposed to hear. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I felt like, I felt like, and this is why I still struggle with that, that piece of work, is because it feels so dense and conceptual, where I'm like, so wait, what is happening here? What, is the, what does this mean? I enjoy the shit out of it. It, it, like, it definitely it has takes different elements, like even musically it takes different elements, like you have like, some industrial sounding beats on there, mm -hmm. like different sounds. Like it's, it's conceptually, sonically, lyrically, it was unlike anything you've heard in recent memory. And even to this day, there's not much, in my yeah. opinion, that stands up to it as an overall body of work. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I, it's, it's one of those things that like, even if it isn't considered one of the greatest of all time, it's, it's a, it, I think to me, it's an enduring piece of work because it exists outside of any necessarily particular 
cultural time or movement or this kind of thing. It, it, it's it's just a, a great standalone piece of work. Um, and one thing that I find funny, a little anecdote about because of the internet, uh, when it came out, Chance the Rapper was one of the biggest underground rappers. I mean, even now, yeah. for as much as mainstream as he's gone, and it's kind of like the new more, he's still an underground rapper. Yeah. And so, people have been talking about the idea of uh, Chance and Gambino duo album forever. Yeah. Um, since. Since royalty, or maybe yeah, because yeah, yeah, because he he uh, like Gambino gave him the cosign, yeah. basically, yeah. Uh, through royalty, like. Right. But um, because the internet, he has a song with Chance, and the only thing Chance says is all she needed was a. And people are like, oh, there's gonna be a song with Chance. It's gonna be the greatest song ever. Da, 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 da. And he used him for part of a hook. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh. I feel like you get trolled a little bit there. Yeah. You have this expectation like, Chance is going to be there. Yeah. For a line. Yeah. We'll use them a little bit. So yeah. It's a little tasty. Yeah. <laughs> that, that nice little we'll sprinkle. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kanye using Drake on All the Lights for one, like, harmonized line. And Alicia Keys. Yeah. Yeah, like, Alicia Keys is on that track. I think, like, is Elton John on that, too? Yeah, I feel like. Fergie, fucking Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, clearly Rihanna. Yeah, Drake, the Dream, like he has like thirty motherfuckers. Like Charlie Wilson is on that song to sing a chorus, right? And not even the whole thing. You can just hear him on one, like one bar out of like the last chorus. You're like, wait a minute, was that Charlie Wilson? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> on to the next song, just a dash, yeah. just a dash. So around this time, he's also talking about the notion of like retiring from music and hip hop. Yeah, which he doesn't. Do. What happens next? Uh, then he drops another tape, the live tape. Uh, With Jaden Smith, right? Yeah, and he has Jaden Smith featuring on a couple songs and a couple remixes from uh, because the internet album. Uh, and it was the perfect segue. I felt that way too. Next album. I felt that way too. Like, like in this in this work, he's like still got the hip hop rapper prowess, but he's also singing. Yeah, he's doing like his own hooks. Yeah, he has some bridges. Yeah. Um, and then it's time too where he's starting to do where he's officially popular at this point. Like, yeah. You know, like he's had some mainstream success. Had, uh, I mean, obviously, he's hanging out with Jim Smith. Right. The and, Karate uh, Kid. They had like a song that's made, they're working <laughs> a couple of videos outside yeah. of the scope of the internet. Um, and then, yeah, he drops his mixtape, and you have like Jaden, like, doing the spoken word. Yeah. Outros to these tracks. Like, he's not yeah. actually featured as like an artist on any of the songs. Like, the song will end, and then there's like, Almost an interview was tagged yeah. on with him doing like this weird James Smith, James Smith spoken word <laughs> yeah. like, existential crisis. Story. I want to be his friend. Uh, maybe like doses. Like, I oh yeah, he's that, he's that guy. <laughs> Go to the birthday party, right? I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna be hanging with him like every week. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's that dude with uh, just say some shit in your life. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Right. And then he's like sitting there thinking like, I was like, I'm going to tell what to do, but like, am I, am I retarded? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, hold on, man. Like, because I'm not thinking on this level as like, a, I'm, a daily, I'm a daily. Like, right. Like, but hey, what good for you, Jaden? I suppose that's what growing up with Will Smith's money can do for you. Hey. And Jaden, I think it's been. Hey. Not yeah. um, but yeah, Kawhi. Uh, Kawhi had some of the strongest bars on it. 
Um, some of his weird stuff. So he has a song called Sober. I love Sober. And that, and that video is also really brilliant, too. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, this... At this point, like, I, I feel like he could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said it's a segue. Yeah. What, what is he... So What is he... Into Awaken My Love, which I personally feel is his worst album. His worst album? I think it's his worst album. Grammy nominated Awaken My Love, in my opinion, yeah. is his worst body of work. So, okay, let's... So he, he kind of goes silent for a bit, and then he has this like event out in the desert, yeah. where he kind of debuts this work, right? Yeah. In this like like there are some pictures, summer campy yeah. style and like Burning Man type yeah. fluorescent environment, yeah. yeah. Where you go in, you have to like drop off your technology, like you can't bring your laptop or yourself. Yeah. It's like a case you drop it as a code check, and you go and camp for a weekend under this like fluorescent, like black lit. I mean, it sounds dope as shit. Right. I mean, I'll go. <laughs> I don't know if I'm staying though. Right. I hang out. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm not a camper. Yeah. But it's one of those situations where like you almost like, if I were to try some drugs other than weed, like that would be the same place where I would do it. Thanks, Gambino. Yeah, like, thanks, Gambino. I'm going to try LSD now. <laughs> you know, like, mom, that didn't really happen. I'm just saying, if it were to go Hypothetically. Down, that Hypothetically. Would be the, the, the place I would want to do it. Um, so, anyway, uh, so, so he <laughs> uh, reveals this new, this new movement and this new music, uh, and it's Awaken My Love. Uh-huh. And you say it's his worst piece of work. In my opinion. Because? Because I was raised on fun. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you can't... I think uh, people loved it because it was so different from what he had done before. Yeah. Which I have nothing but respect for. Like, yeah. It's dope that you were able to go in, change your lane, and still put out a solid body of work. Yeah. However, thanks to my mother and those waking up Saturday mornings to the stereo knocking on I'm about to have to clean yep. the whole motherfucking house. The cleaning playlist. Right. Uh, <laughs> Just a driving down the street playlist, like for my mom who who came to her musical taste in the mid '70s. And yeah, whatnot. like funk was a big part of my childhood, like funk and like old school R&B. And so then for Awaken My Love to to borrow so heavily from it, I'm not saying it was bad by any means, yeah. but I I was brought up on like the greats, and this was an experimental album. He was experimenting with a sound, seeing what he could do with it. Not saying he did it poorly, but when you're raised on someone who made that their life's work and their their genre of choice, you think I can't sit there and be like, oh, this is fucking phenomenal. Because it wasn't. Now, for my own personal music takes and being a hip hop fan, I feel like I can say he was head and shoulders above a lot of rappers yeah. because and again, I'm well versed in the rap genre. He did that better than a lot of people. And I do funk better than a lot of people. You know, it felt like mm, it's like the love below without the risks. Yeah, like like it's like taking a genre risk, whereas like something like the love below, like went in a lot of different directions. Right. 
but still kept a cohesive concept yeah. that tied the whole thing together and gave me this wild experience yeah. to show you the depth of Andre's artistry and his and his musical talent. Yeah, it, it basically proved that Andre 2000 was hip-hop success. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, he has, like, his, he did the, uh, uh, my favorite things, where yeah. he played the instruments for all that shit. Yeah. And, like, I didn't know that. Like, oh, man, it's like a crazy sample. Like, like, no. Yeah, you go to the credits and you find what's right. really going on. You know, and the thing is, I guess, that being said, I, I wish, I wish that Awaken My Love would have been a bigger, a bigger gesture from Donald Glover. Like, if he had gotten the band. You know what I mean? It had been like, just like, just to like do this Tennessee Kids thing. Yeah. And then be like, nah, nah, this is what I'm doing now. And, and like, built a modern kind of Earthwood and Fire, where it's built upon the strength of all of them. Right. George so Clinton's still living. He could have had him executive producer. Right, right. With, with, with Donald in the mix. Right. Not to be like, yeah. his album, yeah. but their album. I feel like maybe that would have appeased that just a little better, because that music is built on the band. Yeah. It's the strength of your band. That's why like, like Peace on the Parliament was great. Yeah. That's why like Putsman and Fire was and is great. Right. It's it's the combination of the people at the table playing together, not one singular person dictating what happens. That's, that's very true. That's very true. I also think it would have been stronger had he not released Kawhi. Uh, just because I feel like Kawhi was uh, uh, a great amalgamation of the two. Yeah. Because it had a lot of funk and jazz elements to it. Um, and a lot of transitions that had like, those, like heavy funk elements. Um, so even the strong hip-hop side of it. Sure. Uh, and so I feel like either he could have expanded upon Kawhi into making it an entire album. Yeah. Or not done it at all. And just kind of done a whole transition to Awaken My Love. And I think it would have been more powerful state. Where there's nothing and then this thing yeah. happens. Now, I will, I will say about a thing happening, um, Redbone is a banger. Oh, there's definitely a few bangers on that. But, like, I mean, like, if there's anything to take away from that entire album, it's Redbone, in my opinion. And maybe it's also because of the way it was used to also in Get Out. Um, like, so what it, what it suggests, what its content is, the groove on it, plus it's prevalence within, you know, being more than just the thing on the album, right. like, you know, that song does something for the spirit. I feel you. I feel you. I also like me and your mama. Yeah. Uh, you know, like his two singles were definitely strong singles. I see why you like it does. Uh, and there's a couple deep cuts on there. That, like I said, they're decent. Like, it's not a bad album by any yeah. means. This is I, I just, weakest work. The, so the snob in me can't call it So aside from the albums, Donald Glover is making some moves in the TV world. Yeah. Around the, the same time. Yeah. 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 Um, actually, a little bit before Awaken My Love, because the album art to Awaken My Love was featured in one of the first episodes of Atlanta. Yeah. Before you even do it, it's the album art. Like, it's just this piece of art in the background. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It ends up being the album art for it. To what's arguably one of the greatest television shows of all time. All time, you said. All time. All time. All time. Uh, now, I've only watched a little bit of oh, like, uh, I know I'm missing. I know I'm missing out. I know. Especially I know season two. I know this. I, I know that Do much. better. I'm, bro, I'm trying. I got a busy life. There's a lot. There's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, where, where can people, where can people uh, check out Atlanta for those who are listening who might want to get, get, get this life? I mean, I, I, 
pirate shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about legal legal ways? Uh, it's on FX. Yeah. Uh, if you have a family member, I mean, this is what I say. When, this is what I mean when I say I pirate stuff. Uh, me again, being a millennial, uh, fuck cable. Period. Period. Um, but I still have family who, who subscribes to cable. Yeah. Um, so I use their online login information to go to fx.com and go ahead and just put in their login info for their online cable because it matches up to your cable provider and then you can watch to your heart's content. And so that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> at least for the nation. Season one of Atlanta is on who you can watch it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for season two, uh, yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> We gotta make it happen somehow. Right. People help people. I right. love you. Either way, support, brass. I, yeah. I love you too. Um, so, real quick, what is what is the what is the premise of this of this TV series, and why do you think it sits possibly amongst one of the greatest TV shows of all damn time? So, the premise is you got John Glover's character, Ern, uh, down and out, late twenty something college dropout. Uh, as a kid, still kind of living with his ex, who is the mother of his child. They're together, but they're not together, trying to make his way. It's that weird gray area of being in a situation ship. Right. Uh, yeah. He's burned some bridges with his family. Like, his parents will let him in the house because they just think that he's going to come ask him for money. So they like talk to him in the yard. Like, he's, just, he's, at, he's at like the end of his rope in a lot of situations. And then uh, his cousin is an up and coming rapper. Uh, and he is working to be his manager. Like, he just has to prove himself to kind of be able to be his manager. Uh, and then Lakeith Stanfield is cousin's best friend. Um, they live together. So. And it's just the, the adventures that come along with it. I say it's one of the greatest TV shows because even though there are some outlandish situations, it's incredibly relatable. And I think it transcends race in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it, it transcends race and a lot of the emotions that are conveyed. And like, Anybody doesn't matter what color you are can be in a situation. Anybody yeah. it doesn't matter what color you are can have family issues for whatever reason that you're trying to work through. Yeah. Anybody it doesn't matter what color you are. It has to deal with bullshit on their job. You know, if they're yeah. working a nine to five, and so it transcends all of these color lines to make these truly human stories. So while it's telling a, a black narrative, it still tells me very universally human. Exactly. Now on the flip side of that, though, it also I feel like lets a lot of non-black people in on some black secrets. Yeah. Um, like, just as far as how... Uh, like, he has this one episode where he's going to sell a cell phone because he has some bills to pay. Uh, and he has a friend, Keith <laughs> Stanfield, who's like, I mean, yeah, you could do that, or we can trade up. And it's like, and it comes down to the idea of, like, all right, yeah, you can do, you flip this now for $200 today, or in six months, I can get you a brand. And it comes to the idea of like, poor people don't have time to invest. Right. I need this shit now. Right. Like, yeah, it might be the smarter thing to do to invest in a way that should work for you. That's not an option for everybody. Right. And so I feel like it kind of teaches these lessons to people that have not been seen since like your 90s field sometimes, where all of a sudden like the sound track changes and it's like the heavy strings and shit. Yeah. Like, oh, time to learn a lesson. You know? <laughs> like, it just like implants these, these, these ideas into your consciousness. Yeah. And it, it goes to show you, I mean, then there's some too where it just goes to show you how 
uncomfortable it can be to be in a black and non-black situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do, I absolutely think that everybody should be in the front uh, In season one, there's this great exchange between the character Earn and uh, this white dude at a radio station who's like a music executive type. And expand on that scene. Oh, basically, uh, the, the music executive type has known for a while, and he's comfortable, like, uncomfortably comfortable. And yes. This is like where he, he feels that he can just speak in the type of way to him. Whereas if he were to do this to any other black any other black person he comes across, he does not talk. Which is exactly what happens. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and they show that. And it's like, and Erdogan calls him out, and it's like, oh, tell him what you told me earlier. And it's like, oh, uh, uh, and he like checks him. And it's beautiful because I think we've all been in those types of situations where you have these friends who feel like, like yeah, just because you're good around me, or even if you can encounter that white person, it's like, just because you're good around that. Like, just because, like, that black person gives you a pass to say whatever, doesn't mean you can do, we're not a monolith. You can't say that shit to everyone. Right. And right. I, and I guess it's just those teachable moments that make it, that make it great. Like, um, you know, you mentioned this notion of uh, kind of pulling back the curtain a bit and, and, and showing some pieces of, the, like, the black secrets. Which I think is actually um, part of a testament to uh, Richard Pryor's greatness. It's not only that he was funny and a great storyteller, but yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's that he was giving almost a tour of the black American experience in a way that was not only funny and relatable, but also enlightening. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is essentially what Donald Glover is walking down that same path in a very different kind of way. Yeah. Using his sense of humor, using his creativity, using all of his talents to essentially uh, build those bridges uh, and teach some of those lessons. Yeah, absolutely. So, your boy ends up winning a bunch of awards, doing all this stuff. He gets renewed for a second season. And he also gets cast as Lando Calrissian in the new Star Wars solo uh, prequel, whatever movie that's yeah. about to come out. Yeah. Uh, and this year's Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, this year's Star Wars right. film. Stars Donald Glover as an iconic character. Again, Max Major. An iconic crossover character, um, which is really what, I mean, I feel like it fits. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, you have Billy Williams, like Lando Calrissian, who Yo. was like every white person's favorite black person. Listen, yeah. Like like Lan- like Lando made Billy D like that guy. that guy. I mean, yeah, sure. Black folks know him for that he sings the blues. Yeah. And maybe those Colt forty five commercials. Right. Whatever. But like Lando Calrissian is iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also fun fact about Billy D. Williams, he and the Tim Burton Batman was originally gonna play a two face. That's right. Black Two Face Batman and have had had Batman and Robin and Batman Forever not happened, yep. and they would have kept going with that, Billy Dee would have been Two-Face. But he got to be Two-Face in the Lego Batman movie. That's right. Yeah. It's super dope. Yeah, so it's like... Full circle. Things, things, exactly. Things get to come to fruition. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. is like, okay, here's another kind of parallel. We have this actor who has now been in the Spider-Man movies as... Uh, well, maybe not a recurring character, but a character with weight and meaning 
to the to uh, possibly the eventual plot and, and payoff down the line. Who knows? Right. Um, and now also as this other iconic character in the Star Wars game. He's now part of two major American franchises, you know, yeah. in Spider-Man Star Wars. and Star Wars, <laughs> through Disney and through these relationships and through all the stuff that he's, he's been doing, yeah. which is major. I'm not pumped for this movie, though. Me either. And for the simple fact that it just, I mean, it just looks like any other action movie with, yeah. with Star Wars, with a Star Wars, like, you know, yeah. veneer. Veneer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I'm going to see it. Because I thought it was a DG. I'm so like pass. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm an offense, yo. Like, like, listen, I already know that check cleared for, for Donald, so he's good. Um, I would have been more interested in the Lando movie because his character is so limited in Empire Strikes Back yeah. and, and Return of the Jedi that like, I would have liked to know more about this character yeah. um, and not Han Solo. Han Solo is a major character. I don't... Right. Really need more information about him, but who knows? I mean, if he kills this role and ends up being a fan favorite like most people do, they're still dropping one to two Star Wars. Right, like, yeah, and I will saying that it can't. Then I will wait for the Lando movie. What? You gonna see that? You gonna uh, see that I don't know. Somebody will buy your ticket. You'll be like, I got shit else to do right now. <laughs> I feel peer pressure to go. Right. Like, no, exactly. <laughs> I got movie pass. I'm paying ten bucks a month to see whatever fuck I want. I'll see that. Sidebar. Yo, I heard movie pass is now making so you can only see a movie one time. Yeah, each movie one time. Because I saw Black Panther like four times. Yeah. Three of those were based on the movie pass. Yo, I saw this tweet. It was like, ah, yes, I remember the day before this band when I could just, you know, give Black Panther another $15 boost just so they could use the bathroom. That's the way to do it, though. That's right. That's the way to do it. I almost, I think it leaves theaters on Wednesday because it's about to drop. I kind of want to go see it one or, more time. Or people that were like, yo, I'm going to buy a, 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 I need to see the new Avengers movie, but what I'm going to do is buy a ticket to Black Panther and then go see Avengers. Hold that spot. Hold that spot. Like, I ain't trying to hurt T'Challa like that. Right. So, uh... <laughs> really, I mean, after Strength of the Avengers, like we said a couple weeks ago, it was T'Challa. So, anyway, to get us caught up to, like, where we are, so... Han Solo is coming out, all this stuff, which now puts Gambino back in the public eye to do this Saturday Night Live thing. And I have not seen the episode because I do not watch SNL like that anymore. I catch the shit online like after the after right. the fact, which most people are doing. But he drops two new songs in his uh, in his musical performance. Yeah, I only saw one. But this is America. So yeah, and and the thing is, exactly, this is the, the big to me. This is the big thing. It's really the video that he dropped. For the song "This Is America," yo, this yeah. genius, yo. Um, and I think this is actually why we've, I think, laid out his career thus far because I feel like with all of the stuff he's done, this is really a crucial kind of apex moment. Um, like you start to you. Especially in the context of what Kanye West has been doing, yeah. Um, there's one thing that kind of came out that came up in these conversations that I think we can all, no matter what you believe or how you feel, that this is universally true. You get to a point where your voice is just so big, and you have to be responsible about what you do with the size of your platform and the strength of your voice. Yeah. And I feel like Donald Glover is now sitting in a space where his voice is so big 
that he, he can really do some amazing things with the, with his platform and with and, and with the attention that he has. Especially because outside of his art, he doesn't talk a lot. Right. Right. Like He's he not that have guy. A heavy social media presence. He right. Doesn't, he doesn't do like, a bunch of crazy interviews and stuff like that. Something he does. Really soft spoken and talks about his projects. He keeps it moving. Like, yeah. He doesn't talk about the fact that he got a couple kids. He doesn't talk about yeah. that. He, like, he keeps all that personal shit out of it. Right. And he keeps his opinions to himself, except for when he puts them into his art. And so now you have this This Is America video where, I mean, it like touches on like, the, the person, hip hop. Uh, the, 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 the gun violence that's going on in America, uh, Trump, uh, I mean, all this and the other. Then also in the context of, like, what it means to be black in America. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, like, a very, like, relevant snapshot of right now, but also puts it in a, in a context of, like, how it's always been. Yeah. Um, which is, like, very, very sobering. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just like give you a, a content warning, trigger warning. There is there is some really explicit violence in, yeah. in this video. Uh, if you're going to go check it out, um, I think it's it's worth stomaching what what you see to to experience the art and, and understand what the I guess the deeper meaning of it. Um, but it's some real heavy shit, like um, in a really kind of casual way, which is kind of the purpose, I thought. Um, this isn't necessarily gratuitous in the sense of just, like, killing black folks to kill black folks. But like, not just black folks. Yeah. Everybody can die. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, the, the, the notion of, like, but look how, how casually we are killed. Yeah. Look how... Look how and um, how we're basically supposed to just keep dancing to the right. Right. And that's what really struck me about it. Like, dances. And, like, you see on stage or whatever, but yeah. like, he, like, legit has, like, dance, like, choreographed dance numbers with other dancers yeah. through this, like, this implied violence or sometimes blatant violence, yeah. and it's kind of like a little, uh, what black people have been expected to do right. forever, just take it off the stride. Right. Keep singing, keep dancing. Keep making lemonade. Right. Through, no matter what happens to you. Yeah. That you're supposed to be like, oh. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, part of our brilliance. And our genius, but at the same time, it's so uh, part of our, heavily tragic. Yeah, and a disproportionate lack of responsibility for our own mental health. Yeah, that's uh, really. I think it kind of goes to show, and I, I used to say this uh, to an extent. I still feel this way, but I feel like depression and mental health is a white person's ailment, not that it only afflicts them but they're the only ones who get to address it. Now, that's starting to change. Yeah. But for the longest time, like, I mean, even even being a kid, you remember being like, like you just not in a great mood, like, oh, I'm kind of down. And chances are, one of your family members is like, what you got to be down about here? You're living. Right. Right. Uh, the, well, I think what's been such a problem um, is when when you're always on the defensive for the sake of survival, you don't get to have the luxury of even thinking about how you feel. Fuck your feelings. You get, you get to live. And, and, and that's part of what shuts the deep tragedy of, of being 
what's supposed to be the greatest country in the history of the planet Earth. Right. Ba 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 ba. Yeah. Right. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Uh, you know, and this is you know, this is I won't say the new frontier, but it's such a necessary space for us to start to really get into and and really um, you know how do we get how do we start to shift our society to a place where it is past just survival because for what it is worth there there are so many resources in this country we you know this is you know such a space where where we should be able to and some of us do get to um, but this needs to be a a wider spread privilege this is like I said I feel like really the, the, the real frontier for our generation is how do we actually take care of not just ourselves, how do we take care of everybody? Yeah, each other. Yeah. Um, so that being said, um, you know, it, it is, yeah, I think it's, it's just kind of proves not just his own growth, but I think, you know, like we got really dig into his work. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the cool thing about Charles Gambino and Donald Glover. It's that the majority of his work, like you, you, see it, you listen to it, whatever, the first time you consume it. But then you want to go back and you feel it need to dissect it even further because it has, like, all of this work has this deeply human, almost vulnerable element to it yep. um, that makes you, like, really kind of take a look at your own, your own shit that you have yeah. be, Especially if you're a creator. Yeah. Um, like, it really makes you think, like, yo, like, how can I put out something this solid while also being open enough to let people into my life like this. Yeah. Uh, it makes you makes you dig deeper, yeah. tell some truths. Yeah. So I mean you know it got me back to the drawing board. Right. Like, like, and I'm I'm usually not uh, for uh, as as the uh, as the say a dick writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dick writer. But uh but honestly yeah I mean like I feel like this is legit what this dude so it's like yeah be my friend. Like, can, we, can we make some dope shit together? Or can I just, like, bounce some ideas off of you? Like, you, know, you can tell me if it's trash. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, like, help me out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that being said, I think we're trying to make some new friends. Uh, Donald Glover, you're on the list. Yeah. Um, who else Who else have we been reaching out to? Uh, we've been reaching out to Winston Duke, a.k.a. Mbaku. He'll be here this summer. Uh, yeah, he's coming, he's coming to Moine here shortly. Yeah. And we're hoping... Um, that he'll also be our friend. Also, Leslie Odom Jr. will be in town next week. And, like, I don't know, I just want to hang out and talk to you about, you know, being black and doing theater and stuff. I think it's whatever. That's cool. Like, if you guys can, like, hit us up on, on the social media. Or at least answer us. Like, don't be that girl that doesn't, that leaves me on red. I don't appreciate that shit. Left on red. Oh, no. Um, and so, yeah, for, for all of our new friends, uh, of course, on social media, you can keep following along and join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. DWF underscore DSM. Keep up with us. Uh, again, we thank you for hanging out with us again and, and putting us in your ear. Uh, we're going to keep making great content. Keep checking back every week. Also, check out the archives. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So, yeah. uh, Also, you know, check out the sponsors. Andrew Apparel. Uh, Power up. We got the uh, summer stuff coming out. The uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a new bitch collection coming your way here oh, shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yo, Susie Sweet Treat. Uh, she just posted where she now makes these, these cheesecake filled chocolate dipped strawberries. Yo. 
I haven't had one yet. It's uh, a part of her Mother's Day special, yeah? Yeah, well, so yeah, she's doing that. Um, that's going to be doing that. But then, like, Susie got her start doing cheesecakes. So, I mean, that's like her bread and butter, really. So, doing something. Yeah, get your life. Get those strawberries. Susie Sweet Treats. Secret ingredient is love. Not, Not cocaine. cocaine. Um, and, of course, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Same black time. Same black channel. Peace.